Hey Alexa, what's the definition of hustle? To be aggressive, especially in business or other financial dealings. You're listening to the H for Hustle podcast, designed to inspire future entrepreneurs to take the leap from working for someone else to pursue their passions and side hustles and turning them into full-fledged businesses. My name is Jerome Fenton. I'm a serial entrepreneur. Every week, I'll be speaking with an entrepreneur that has taken that leap. We'll be talking about the lessons they've learned and how they've turned their passions and side hustles into full-fledged businesses. H for Hustle Podcast. Welcome back, back, back. Another illustrious episode up ahead. And on today's episode, we have Robert Pauly III, the founder of The Wealthy Guy. And what an interesting story. Robert is building this custom menswear company from his living room. But how he got started was because of a need that he had for himself. He wanted to make he wanted to buy a, a coat with a fur lining on top and he couldn't find it anywhere. Um, and, you know, somebody advised him, why don't you just go ahead and make it? He made one for himself and things went off from there. He kind of found his his passion, his thing, and he's building this menswear company. Now, the menswear industry is a $1.5 billion industry, and Robert is building this empire. He's slicing out a piece for himself in his living room, and this story is amazing. So I'm not going to waste too much time. Let's get into it right now. Boom, 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 boom. All right, H for Hustle Podcast. Welcome back. We have another great guest. We have Robert Pauly III, the founder of The Wealthy Guy. Welcome to the show, Robert. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, so if I were to meet you at like a, you know, I guess a virtual dinner at this point, um, what would I, what would you say you do for a living? Oh, man. Whew. <laughs> uh, so, so right now I am primarily running uh, The Wealthy Guy, right? So The Wealthy Guy encompasses uh, I, what I like to call lifestyle, right? So clothing as well as grooming, skincare, but then I also have a photography business. Um, so all of those things kind of work hand in hand. So I'm, I'm pulled in a lot of different directions, but all kind of under the wealthy guy got it uh and the wealthy guy when you mean grooming you mean men's grooming men's fashion the whole thing right got it uh so let's go back 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 before you were the wealthy guy what were you doing uh, for a living then yeah so before i ventured out on my own and, and started the wealthy guy i was working in finance for about 10 years okay um and so i worked for two different banks during that time doing a, a, a number of jobs from project management to sales, um, sales strategy. I lived in Hong Kong for about three years doing Asian sales strategy. I've done business management jobs, financial planning and analysis, business process reengineering. Wow. Um, I, yeah, I traveled for about three years straight. And then kind of after that, I got a role in New York that I didn't love. And during that time, I uh, decided to become an entrepreneur. So I was looking for a coat like the one that I make for about two years, and I couldn't find it. And I stopped in a uh, store on Fifth Avenue, 
and asked them about it. And the salesperson said, hey, why don't you just, you know, we don't have that, but do you have a top coat already? I'm like, yeah. He's like, well, you can just get a fur put on it yourself. And I'm like, what do you mean? I just want to buy it. I don't want to make anything, you know? (laughs) um, But I got home and I looked at the card and I said, you know what, let me actually take his advice and, and, and go and check it out. And did that and started wearing the code, then got some more for Carlos put on the codes. People started stopping me on the subway here in New York, um, on the street. Um, and then my first customer was a friend who was just like, I love this. Uh, you know, how much would it cost for you to make one for me? And I just kind of threw out a number because at that point I wasn't thinking about it as a business yet. Um, and then it turned into more people buying. And, and one day I was like, wait a minute, I think I have a business here. And the way that I was feeling about my, my financial services career at the time, I was just like, what am I doing here? Is this really going to yeah. be my legacy? No one will ever know that I was here. So right. because of your financial background, you, you were always already wearing suits and you were already in that like, OK, so were you a well-dressed guy from the beginning? Like you just always. So what was the that bug come from that being so well-dressed? I, I just since since I was a kid, I was always into clothes um, and I always loved dressing up like in high school. I had a internship at a bank. I was involved in a lot of activities in school where I had to, to dress up. So it was very natural for me. It wasn't until I got to like my professional finance career that I could actually afford better clothes uh, and clothes that actually fit. Um, and then living in Hong Kong for three years, I really got into the custom bespoke suiting and kind of never went back from there. So all throughout my finance career, people would be like, either I know you, you're the guy with the nice suits, or what are you doing here? You should be doing something in fashion. But, you know, you know, black people, we like, okay, you get a job at a bank or... <laughs> yeah, it's the okay. most secure job you could have, right? People, everyone got, tells you that. You got a good job, right? Yeah. Um, so I was like, there's nothing that I'd really give up. Uh, there's nothing that I want to do that I would give up all of this for yeah right so until i you know came came up with the code and i was like wow this is something that i was like i want for myself but i realized that a lot of other people want it for them as well as well yeah and what was it a trench coat with like a fur lining at the top of it yeah it's like so it you know an overcoat or a top coat with a fur collar but the fur collar is cut specifically for the coat so it you know, looks like it goes together. So a lot of guys kind of get some type of fur and just throw it over their neck. Yeah, and yeah. So. so let's so let's go back real quick. You you call the tailor and you say, "All right, I have this idea. Uh, can you put a fur on the coat?" What what does the tailor say? Yeah, sure, no problem. And you just go ahead and do it because it's a place that specifically does it. Okay, got it. All right. So once you did that, you started wearing it. Everyone falls in love with it. And then you throw out a price. What was that pricing in your head? Were you just like, okay, that was it was what it cost me. So I'll just give you what it cost. Or did you try to make a profit on it? Oh, yeah. No, I definitely made a profit, but a small one. Okay. So it actually cost a lot to produce something with fur. <laughs> yeah, it does. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So something with, with, with good fur. But when I first started making the coats, it was I would purchase the coat for the customer, right? Based on their, their, you know, 
44 long, 42 regular, regular yeah. whatever it is, and then have the furrier put the put the, the collar on it. But I very soon realized that's not exactly what I see in my head. Okay. Um for for people. And then that's when I took it a fully custom route where the client is measured for the coat, they get to pick the coat color, they get to pick the lining. Um, as well as the type of fur that they want on 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 the coat, so it's Got it. truly your own. Got it. So when you made that first coat for your friend, who is a, your first customer, yeah. what went off in your head? Were you like, "Oh, this is it"? I th- I found a thing that I'm really I really like to do, or were you like, "Ah, I don't I don't really know. It's just a one off. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's a fluke." Were you were you thinking I have something here, or were you like, "Ah." Eh. Well, I started thinking I have something here when people really started stopping me and asking Mm. and more and more people that I knew were telling others about it um, and showing them the, you know, the pictures of me in it and people saying, hey, I, I want this too. Got it. And then to do that in New York, because again, I, I worked in um, like in the financial district in Manhattan. I used to always wear a suit. It right. takes a lot to stand out in New York. So if people are stopping you, you really you really were wearing something great because, you know, people will see well-dressed people in New York City is, is a dime a dozen. <laughs> yeah. So um, it's one of those things. So once you started that, what happened next? Once you sold that one, did you say, let's roll into others? Um, so, you know, once I sold the, the first one, I still wasn't really thinking about it as a business. But then once things started to pick up in terms of interest. Then I started to, you know, think about it more broadly in terms of, is this something that I can do like as a business? Mm-hmm. Um, and like I said, like at the time, you know, in, in the role that I was in, I just, I didn't like it. I felt anxious going into the office. I just felt like this is not for me. And uh, I would use my lunch breaks and in the morning and the night to like go to the furrier and touch things and start to figure out, you know, like what your next steps would be. Because a fur coat is specifically for maybe three, four months out of the year. So um, what was your next product then were you thinking about making? Because, you know, fur coat's only good for, I'd say, maybe December, January, February, maybe early March in New York City. And after that, you're kind of topped out. Right. Um, so if you think about it, a lot of clothes are seasonal. Yeah, yeah. Time. Yeah, yeah. So, and also, we don't only buy those things in season. Yeah, we buy them off season as well. Exactly. So, um, when I when I decided to like quit my job, you know, my last day was March thirty first, twenty seventeen, springtime. Yeah. Right. So at that point, no one's thinking about a fur coat. So what that did. Uh, was give me the opportunity to be able to uh, think about what I want the business to look like. Got it. Okay. So did you quit before you had everything together? Did you just say, listen, I'm too anxious. I I just don't like what I'm doing. Let me just jump ship and figure out this wealth guy business from there. I did. Got it. Um, so that's really brave. A lot of people can't fathom how to do that. Were you financially in a place where you could do that? Or were you just like that, that much fed up with it? Um, yeah, I, I was. So, you know, I, I had some savings as well as I had access to money. Got it. <laughs> so, so I was able to, um, 
to, you know, create like a collection. And I did like, uh, I participated in like a show in Atlanta okay. uh, that July and then in New York during fashion week that September. Um, and then in October, I got invited out to Chicago to be in a show to show the code. So the, the interest was really, really there. Um, and then because of my financial services background, business management background, got it. I had the operational piece of it, right? Like, got it. So you knew that piece really well from just from your, your background. Right, right, right. So, but I didn't know how to, I had never sold coats before. Got it. All right. Very different arena than working in financial services because it's like, okay, now no one knows this product. No one knows this, this brand. Um, it's time to make, make that happen because prior to, you know, my social media, the way it is now, I had 160 friends on Facebook and they were all people that I actually knew. Same thing on Instagram. Yeah. So, and, and when you work in corporate America, you know, they have like rules around how you can use social media yeah. and all of that stuff. So I just wasn't a social media person because I didn't want to deal with the, the, the rules. The rules yeah. Right. So then it had to be, okay, now I have to be a social media person um, because this is how I'm going to let people know about this business. Got it. So is that when, okay, so let's just go back. Cause you said a ton in there that I want to kind of unpack a little bit for the audience. One. So once you made, what was in your collection, right? So you, you had fur coats, were you just making coats? Did you say, I'm going to just coats. Okay. So just men's coats with fur on it. That's was the main product. Got it. Okay. So then you go out from there you're, you're getting invited to Atlanta, Chicago, New York. Is that based off of your network or just people who bought the coach from you that's kind of spreading the word around? How did that happen? Yeah, so uh, so network. So I have a friend um, that's a CPA. We went to college together. I actually have a degree in history. Really? Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and then I went into you know financial services, but I have a good friend who during the time that I lived in Hong Kong, he came out to visit me and we went to get some custom suits and shirts made. And he was like, you know what? I think I'm going to start this as a business back in New York. So years before I thought about turning it into a business, he did. Okay. Uh, So by the time I got started, he already had all of the information pretty much in terms of manufacturing, things like that. So he was the one that put me on to the show in um, in Atlanta. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Got so, it. So you just tapped into your network and used his resources to kind of get going. Got right. it. Okay. Right. Got it. All right. That's great. That's a great piece. Like tap into the network of people you already have. Why? Why? Why go reinvent the wheel? All right. So now you make the coach. You're going and you're moving forward. When does it like start taking off? Because these shows, obviously, you're showing off concept pieces or you're showing off pieces. When do people start buying? Because when were you ready to sell a line ready to go? Oh, yeah. I mean, it is. It was always from when I was showing the coats, it was re- ready to go. Right? Okay. A manufacturing in place, um, the process in place for it. It was just a matter of finding the customer. Okay. And that's where you jumped on Instagram and became the wealth guy. Right, right. right. The wealthy guy. I'm so sorry. it 
Right. So it was like, okay, pretty much throughout my, I mean, pretty much since I've been young, I've always been a presenter. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I'm very comfortable in front of groups of people, very comfortable speaking in front of crowds, things like that. And, uh, you know, one of the last jobs that I did in financial services was business process reengineering, but I used to train teams on how to be more efficient in their like day-to-day work. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I would spend like four months at a time with teams of up to, you know, 200 people um, and train them on, on um, skills that they need to solve their own problems. Got it. So you so, were always in front of a crowd. So to go always, turn a camera on and present yourself in front of a camera didn't seem that different. Right, but it is. <laughs> <laughs> it, de- it definitely is different. Um, All right. so, so it was, yeah, really, you know, when I think about the first time I went live on on. Facebook, I like look like a deer in headlights. This was not good, you know. Um, but I am like, like I said, a process oriented person. So I watch everything back that I do. Okay, did I do this differently? Do and with practice over time, it's what you see now. Yeah, you know, it's 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 super uh, clean and complete and exactly. yeah, yeah. So, you know, I just really use the skills that I already have, um, but in, in, in a different way to, to, you know, to sell these products. Got it. So once you started putting yourself on social media, what happened after that? Because that's where you went to go to try to get your customer. And the, the bespoke crowd on Instagram is, is a huge space. Like, I, I know it personally because I was... It, 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 yeah, because I was trying to sell a um, cufflink, custom cufflinks uh, back in the days, and I was dabbling with this e-com company, and it it is a very, very big space. So how did you, obviously you're in there now, how do you break out and so people can see you? What did you start doing? Yeah, so probably the, the biggest change that I made was uh, bleaching my beard. Right? Really? So you, you bleached your beard? I bleached my beard because I was like, okay, how can at, at this point, okay, so I'm gonna take you from three thousand followers, right, on Instagram to fifty-five thousand. Okay. Really quickly, right? So I'm like, okay, all these other influencers, these black guys dressed in their suits, taking yeah. their pictures in the street. How am I gonna stand out from all of these people? And that was my idea. I'm like, I have to catch people's attention right away. And and the idea was to bleach. The beard. So then it became, is this an old guy? Is it is it blonde? Is it gray? What's going on here? So that immediately draws you. And then the energy and 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 you know, I always tell people the way to grow a following on Instagram is people come to Instagram one for entertainment. Yeah. Two for education. Mm -hmm. uh, Three for motivation, inspiration. And if you can do those things you can grow your following. Um, so catch them with the beard. Then they see the clothes. Then they see the personality. Then they see good content. Then they see good images. And it just started to grow. And my thought wasn't, I don't want to grow because I want to be popular. Right. My thought was, okay, I want to hit 10,000 because it unlocks features in Instagram that yeah. people under 10,000 aren't, aren't privy to. And then also you can then sell your products through that. Correct. Correct. Yeah. 
So I hit that 10,000 and then from there, it just kind of kept going. It was growing like a thousand followers a month. And within that was my customer. Mm, got it. Okay. They start identifying the people who showed up. Uh, one question though, a lot of people build brands and they don't put themselves as the front person. You put yourself as the front person. Was What was the psychology behind that? Because a lot of people hide behind, you know, it's something that I had to learn. Like I have to put me in front of my brand for it to work. So what made you um, realize that? Like what made you choose to go that route? Um, Because... I'm the type of person that likes to put the responsibility of success in my hands. Got it. Okay. You know, and I was just like, I don't want to pay models, you know, like mm -hmm. I don't want to spend time, you know, creating because it's all custom. Yeah. I don't want to spend time creating things for other people. Let me just create things for myself. And I've always been into taking pictures and things like, even during my finance time, I have a good friend who, you know, we would go in the morning or at lunchtime, take pictures of each other in the suits and make the grids, you know, showing the watch and the yeah. shoes and the, you know, like, so I've always been uh, comfortable in front of the camera as well. And I was like, who better to model the stuff than mm -hmm. me? You yeah. know, like I'm the one that makes it and I believe in it. Like yeah. you need to see me in it. Um, and not only that, it's a small business. People want to know when, especially when it's a small, you don't care about talking to the owner of Walmart. You'll never talk to the owner of Walmart. Yeah. Right? Or Bloomingdale's or Macy's or anything. But there's something about running a small business that people want to know who you are. Yeah. Um, and, and they want to be able to, you know, connect with you in your brand. Um, and, 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 and I know that. So I'm like, people want to know, like, and trust you. Mm -hmm. and the best way for you to do that is to kind of put yourself out there in front. Got it. And so you start your thousand people a month on Instagram. It's growing, it's growing. Are the orders coming in as the growth is happening? Not really. Really? Now, right, because think about it. You don't go on Instagram. Maybe you buy a t-shirt, right? Or something that's 30 bucks or whatever yeah. on Instagram. Yeah. You're not thinking about spending a thousand, fifteen hundred, two thousand dollars On a coat, right? yeah. The, the sales cycle for me is relatively long. And what I mean by that is you uh, start following me on Instagram today. You may not decide to purchase until eight months to a year later. Got it. Watch me all this time and like, you know what? I'm gonna go ahead and invest in this product. Right? Yeah. In 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 this product. So it's a relatively long sales cycle. So me building, I know that all those 55,000 people aren't gonna buy anything. And nor do I expect them to, right? People follow me for different reasons. And I know that it is a niche thing. Um yeah. and I know that it is something that most people will not pay for. But I also know that for every person that says no, there's a person that's going to say yes. It's just a matter of finding that person. So, how, so I mean, I love what you just said, but how do you have the patience? You're building, you're seeing growth, right? right. Instagram is growing. You're like, yes, money's about to start happening. And that right. doesn't happen. Where do you get the patience from to say, I will find my right customers. The right customers will find me. 
right because i know just from working in business period that nothing happens overnight even when we look at people and be like that they're an overnight success no they're not many years of failure and trying and consistency Mm -hmm. that led to that overnight success and i get that um so it's just like okay i really believe in this let me just keep working at it because I know that at some point it's going to pop. Yeah. So when was that moment where things just kind of like started ballooning and the order started happening? When was that moment? Yeah. So I would say last year. So two, you know, about two years of the grind and kind of figuring out what the business looks like, mm-hmm. uh, then adding of the suits um to it all right um so last year i would say was the year where things was you know more eyes were on it more eyes that could afford it were were on it and things kind of started to 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 pick up from there so was there a diff was there something you were doing different that made that happen or was just compounding over time yes the consistency over time everyone that comes to me says, I've been watching you. You're so consistent, right, with what you're doing. Um, and I want to, you know, I want to purchase something from from you. Got it. So it's, it's that consistency of keep, you know, continuing to go. Because, you know, people, they pick up stuff and put it down so fast. Yes, yeah. It give them what they want right away. Right, yeah. But there's, that's not the path to success. So the, the path to success is working on something over and over again until, you, you know, Correct, like yeah. you make it better. Yeah. It. So when did you add the suits? When did you say, all right, I got the jacket. I'm acing the jacket. I'm doing great. Now it's time to start bringing in because now you're going into a whole nother space, right? Outerwear is one thing, but like wearing a, a custom suits, a whole nother right. thing as well. That's so when did you decide to start doing that? Yeah, so the beginning of last year, so the beginning of 2019, I introduced the suits. Mm -hmm. But as with anything new, it took time for people to actually come and buy. Yeah. So, you know, this year, once I started to build that client for the suit, I had my strategy. Around this time last year, I was like, I'm going to attack prom season. Mm. Right, like this is the time these these parents will pay a thousand dollars, right, for for their kid to have a suit for the prom, and this is my focus. So started to build a strategy around that, and then coronavirus happened. Yeah, old schools, no proms, right? So All how do you time. how do you pivot? Right. That's a that's a tough pivot because you spent months. Thinking about it, formulating idea, delivering on it. Now, how do you pivot quickly when that happens? Yeah, man. So um, it, it really wasn't a quick pivot, right? Because all the things that I sell are wants, not needs. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So when when times get tough, wants go out the window. Yeah. Right. Um, even for people who have money. So you know, during during this time, because last year I said to myself. By the end of last year, I wanted to wear only wealthy guy. Oh, from head to toe, got it. So only wealthy guy. I didn't. I wasn't able to make it happen last year. 
But this year with the coronavirus, it gave me a lot more time to plan out what I wanted to look, what it, what I wanted to things to look like for this fall winter. Got it. Okay. But it's also a gamble. Yeah. Right? Because you knew at that time what, what things would be like today. And as yeah. we can see, it's still here. Yeah. You know? So um, it, that was another big bet because I'm like investing all of this money into it to, you know, for, for, for it to happen uh, this year. Um, but, you know, it's, it's been good. Right. Even during the coronavirus, I still had clients before the coronavirus even came. I was doing virtual sessions. Got it. So you your business was already built to kind of sustain this a little bit. Right. right. So there are more people who buy from me outside of New York than in New York. If that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right? I completely get that. Yeah. So uh, Florida, California, Georgia. Uh, Illinois, Ohio, uh, Saudi Arabia, Malaysia, yeah, um, UK, right? So Connecticut, wherever that most of my business is online, yeah. Which is interesting because uh, what I sell is a to me is a it's a more intimate experience. Yeah, and and a suit is one of those things that you know transforms you, and it's it's a very intimate, very luxury product if you get a right suit that fits you. Um, that's that's so interesting. And you were already building your business just out of necess- necessity to build online already. Um, right. And when it happened, you kind of just kept on rolling. Um, now. Are you looking for this is this is something I want to ask because I, I pay attention to your Instagram. I love the content you put out. I watch your YouTube stuff as well. Yep. Are you trying to convert the person who's going to go to men's warehouse or are you looking to capture the person who is going to go to my suit and get a custom suit? Because I bought a suit from my suit who's, the you know, it's like a, anywhere between. Five hundred to a thousand dollars suit. Are you yep. trying to convert that person who's would have went to my suit or to a tailor to to speak to you? Yes, got yeah. it. Okay. Um, I I pretty much have a good idea who my client is, and that that is really important, right? Like you have to know who the audience is, and you have to know who the person that's actually going to buy from you is. And a lot of times, what I tell people is, I am my client. Got and it. what I mean by that is I am, or I was, right, someone who's doing well in their career, has disposable income, income. right, yeah. most likely making like a six-figure salary. Uh, they understand the value of custom, and they're willing to pay for it, right? So on social media, I would say 99% of people who comment on my posts will never buy anything. Mm-hmm. It's the ones who don't comment. It will be the one Correct. hitting you in the DM or going to your website and setting up a, a consultation. Correct. The person that is going to buy, they watch, they research. When they're ready, when they've you know made their decision to purchase, then they reach out and say, this is what I want. How do I pay? Anyone saying how much, you know, or anything like that, I need that or... Asking any questions where I know that they didn't do any research whatsoever, I know. No, that's not your customer. Yes, yeah, that I, they're not buying anything. 
So like I used to answer every DM, how much and all of this stuff. I don't do it anymore Got because it. I know that that person is not the person that buys. The person that buys calls me up and says, I'm Dr. Don- Dr. Kentwood yeah. I'm in Connecticut. I like such and such hair and bone coat. Let's um, get, yeah, let's get let's, going. Let's, right. These are my these are my sizes. What do I have to do? What's the next step? They're not talking about money. They're talking about what's the process and you wish you would do your business. Correct. Got Correct. it. Got it. That but that isn't that like somehow frustrating though. Is there a part of your head that's like, man, I would love to capture the three hundred dollar and down space as well because at le- no <laughs> okay <laughs> I got it. No, that's not my client. That person is. So I have a, a mentor. David Lance, right? Mm-hmm. And he sells like $30,000 suits. Wow. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Right? And what he told me is that the person, the $300 or $400 client, even the $800 client, values their money very differently than the $6,000, $7,000, $8,000, $10,000 client, right? Mm. Uh, that person values their money much more and is much more critical of everything. Got it. Got it. Okay. You know, so for, so for example, I always say it like low ticket item customers, something that's 25, $30. Yeah. You are more likely to have a big problem with the $25 client, right? Them disputing the charge, them wanting to sue you. Then you are with the, $1,200 client. Yeah, you're so right. I mean, when did you realize that? Was that very early on? Because I mean, the reason why I'm asking a lot of people who listen to the show are very early stage entrepreneurs and they try to be all to everyone, right? And instead of being very specific, when did you say, you know what? I am my best customer. I'm going to make what I would buy. And that's that. I'm not trying to go any lower than that. When did yeah. you decide that? Oh, very early on, because I know the nature of people. Mm. Um, and I know how the, you know, low ticket item client thinks and how they value their, their money. So early on, people will say, oh, why, why, when are you going to make things that are more affordable for the everyday person? And I said, I'm not. Yeah. Right. Like what I'm selling is affordable luxury. This is for who can afford it. You know, there's many things like that. This, you can go to Zara and get Something a, a nice issue. It's not really that great, but this is not that. Yeah, you know, this is a, a very different experience. This is something that is not uh, mass produced. Yeah, you know, this it's a one of one. It's custom to you. Right. It's for your body. It's for your size. You know, specific and in, in in the cost should reflect Perfect. that. Right. And a lot of people who get who got it, they will say, you know. Actually, you probably kind of charge kind of low for what it is that you give. Mm. All right. So that's why I call it affordable luxury, because the price point is high enough to price a lot, you know, most people out. But it's not so expensive that it prices out that middle, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's not a, it's not like a purple label or right. it's, yeah, that's fair. It's, it's in the space where it's going to weed out the people who aren't interested, but the people who are and can afford it will go in that direction. Right. Right. So, yeah. So I've been very, I've, I've stuck to that and, and it works because that market is, is, is my client. 
Got it. I mean, that's so smart because again, a lot of people, and I was, um, me being an entrepreneur, I've done that where I've like, I want to be all to everyone. Let's offer every service. And it's like, you burn yourself out. You, you don't know who your customer is. And then you end up doing more work for less because you're, you're focusing on everybody, you know, um, not everyone could be Walmart, you know, some, you have sometimes have to be a very specific thing. And that's so cool. Um, so how has entrepreneurship affected your life? Because you spent, you know, still, the bulk of your years in corporate America, in corporate finance, how has entrepreneurship affected your life in good and bad? So my life is very different now, right? I would have never thought that I would be in my living room making videos, (laughs) you know, selling these products on Instagram, not in a million years. Um, It's good in that I feel Every year, I've been kind of shedding that corporate skin mm-hmm. in terms of the assimilation and yeah, can and can't do, and the people above you, and it's the rules stuff. mindset I like to call it. Like you, we, you get so caught up in rules working in corporate America that when you start going entrepreneur, you're like, hold on, I make all the rules. <laughs> right, I make all the rules now. But that was also a difficult transition for me too because. At first, I tried to do everything so corporate, right? Mm-hmm. The way that I knew, the way that I knew how, and that doesn't necessarily work for artistic things. Mm-hmm. The people are just different. Yeah. Um, so you know, it was a struggle for me to uh, adjust to that. Um, the other challenge, most obvious challenge, is I am responsible for everything. Getting the money in. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I'm re- there's no check every two weeks. Mm-hmm. There's no, you know, company sponsored health insurance. There's no none of none of that um, anymore. So you're responsible for for all all, all of that. Um, and if something happens in the economy or in the world, such as the coronavirus, and you you got to figure out how to maneuver through that. Yeah, you got to figure out. But I'm, I'm, I would say that I'm pretty good at adapting. Mm-hmm. I've been in many different environments since since I was a kid, and you know, when I did get to to college, I, you know, I did a study abroad in Spain. You know, I didn't learn any Spanish. I just party. But that <laughs> <laughs> was kind of like the, you know, the 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 start of my international living. Yeah. And, being in a totally foreign place and, and fitting in. And then after that, I did an internship in mainland China and lived there for three months in central China where really hardly anyone speaks English, you yeah. know? Um, and then in my professional career, living in, in, in Hong Kong for almost three years. So I am an adapter. So example for my business, what I realized since the coronavirus is that People, and this was before the coronavirus, people don't really buy suits for work anymore. No, it's more for like leisure, luxury. It's more for parties, it's for weddings. That's a very different client than that was initially purchasing, Mm -hmm. right? It's a younger client. Um, So if you watch my Instagram now, you'll see that some of the content is geared towards a party person. Got it. It's more lifestyle than it is. Right. formal business right 
there's still people who love the formal looks, but I've been switching it up some to say, you don't have to wear a gray pinstripe jacket with gray pinstripe pants. You could very well wear the gray pinstripe jacket with black pants, black Mm -hmm. velvet pants, or blue corduroy pants. Got it. It's more about the look Look. than it is the the suit, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah. It's how it fits into the aesthetic of where you're going, what you're doing. And it's still custom. It's still luxury, but it it doesn't have to be in corporate. Right. And that's also because most of the... customer base is also look everyone just went all remote you know like everyone had to start working from different places so that customer base is not tied to a specific office anymore and startup culture doesn't require you to wear a suit you know it requires you to be like loose and fun but you still want to dress nice within those spaces as well right right so so yeah so i picked up on that and I'm like, let me market because before I was kind of rigid, like, okay, I know the client. He's 34 to 44. He does these things. Um, that's the client. But as the world changes and times change, you so does the person who wants the goods. Yeah. Um, and you have to make sure that you are speaking to that person um, as, as well. I mean, you have the marketing down pack. Just talking to you, you know who your customer is. And I love that you speak to that customer so specifically. And that's such a good value for anyone who's listening. Like, know your customer and speak to them. And don't stop speaking to them over and over. And when they change, you change with it. Um, what would advice would you give? You know, a lot of the audience listening to this, they're on the they're on the fence. They might have a little side hustle going on. They might create a little something on the side. They want to take that leap. They, you know, they want to be as bold as you and say, you know what, I, I quit and just start your thing. What advice would you give to that 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 person listening to this? I would say, uh, continue to do it as a side hustle until it generates enough money to cover your main job yeah you know and 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 that's actually a really difficult thing to do because the time yes right because your time right but you don't want to step out when you not have really proof of concept right some people do right and they're they're okay to fail but if you're not in a financial position to be okay with losing however much money, um, I would say, you know, start it, continue it as a side hustle, continue to build the brand, continue to build your skills and continue to, you know, drive it to a place where the money is starting to be comparable to what you're making at, at, at the day job and then leave. Yeah. You know, and then, you know, like, because you want to show like a little bit of sustained performance, right? Like that people are interested, people are buying consistently, all right? And you know that you have a, you know, almost kind of like a proven formula. Yeah. Um. So then I was, I would say go. But if you don't have the money or access to money, uh, even if you do have access to money, Prove your concept a little bit first before, you know, saying I'm, I'm, I'm out of here. I'm a Scorpio and and I'm go from one extreme to the next, like it's either zero or hundred, you know? So when I get ideas, I just 
go, go, you know, go. And that's not always the best, that's not always the best thing. But you um, know how to live within that space. You operate, I'm very much like you. If I get an idea, it's like, let's start, let's go, let's go. Let's not waste much time starting it. But you know yourself and you know how to operate within that and you know you can handle that. But I think you gave very great and safe advice. That's the best way actually, because you need to teether off of that. And then also it's a mindset shift to come from corporate to go into entrepreneurship, it takes that that concept that 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 time to switch over. Um, what would you tell somebody who's fearful of failure? Right, a lot of the people who listen to this, they 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 they're afraid of trying something and failing. How do you deal with it? Because I tell people entrepreneurship equals failure and equals lessons, right? Like failure just equals lessons and you just kind of go from there. How would you tell them to deal with it? Because I know you've went through a bunch of failures, some you caused on yourself, some coronavirus, you know, like how have you dealt with failure and what advice would you give to someone who's, who's struggling with that? Oh, everyone fails that you see is successful now, right? You Most people don't have, this genius idea, and then it just takes off. They have a lot of genius ideas, and one, you know what I'm saying. Yeah. And one is the one that 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 pops. Um, there's plenty of times where I think that something is going to be awesome, and people don't receive it, um, and and that's okay. All right, it's 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 okay. You have to have failure in what you're doing so you can learn, mm-hmm. and so that you can grow. Um, because if you were successful, just straight off the bat, you're going to fall somewhere. Yeah. Oh, because there's, there's, there's going to be a lack of humility. (laughs) (laughs) That's a very good point. That's a very good point. (laughs) Uh, Uh, But yeah, man, like (sighs) entrepreneurship is not for everyone. And I am not the type of person to push it on anyone. Mm Mm-hmm. You have to, you have to want it for yourself. I can't want it for, for you, you. Yeah. right? So yeah, the work is going to come for, from you. And it takes a really strong, uh, you know, mind because n- most things aren't going to work out gr- great, yeah. you know, and it's, it's, it's tough when, you know, you put a lot into something and then you don't get the return that you think that you're going to, mm-hmm. to get from it. Yeah. Um, but what I will say about entrepreneurship is that for me personally, it has been very fulfilling because, like I said at the beginning of, of the podcast, I was sitting at that desk. Yeah. Was I making good six figures? Yes. Did I want or need for anything? No. Was my career growing? Yes. But there was still something missing. I'm like, no one is ever going to know that I worked here, nor are they going to care. Yeah. And you, you know? wanted to make an impact. Right. What is what is my, my legacy? And it's not even just about uh, building riches for myself. Right. It's it's a bigger message in what I'm doing, because I get tons of DMs and emails and stuff all the time from people who are just inspired by the journey, as well as my representation of a black man. Mm-hmm. That, and that's a bigger thing than me making money. You know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah, that's yeah, a bigger yeah. Thing. yeah. Like, so I've always had this element of. Uh, paying it forward and, and, and giving back 
Because I remember being in the seat, looking up at someone saying, wow, I wish one day that could be, that could be me. Yeah. No. Because what I see you building right now. And when I first saw it, I came back to your Instagram a bunch of times. What I first saw when I saw it, I was like, man, if he sticks with this long enough, this is like the black purple label, right? Like this is exactly what I saw in my head. Right. Right. Yeah. So it is definitely a journey and I'm grateful that there's been people with me since the 3000 followers you know, that are still there and there are new people coming every day. And that what I am doing is making some people, tons of people have come to me to say that because of them seeing me and my passion for what I'm doing on, on social media, they stepped out and tried and started, you know, started something and said, thank you for, for that. So the days when I'm up at five 36, so I can do a photo shoot at nine. Got to wake up your face, right? <laughs> uh, and then I'm going from 5.30 all the way sometimes until one, two in the morning doing stuff. You know, it, it, it's, it's all worth it because it, even if people aren't, everyone's not going to buy. I, I get that and I'm okay with that. But just the journey, like I said, the journey and people seeing the consistency. Yeah and the passion for it really helps people in in, in their lives. Yeah, because even if they're not buying, you might inspire and that inspiration is going to trickle on into something else. And then maybe that inspiration turns them into your customer seven years from now. You right. know? Or, you know, the other thing that I learned about uh, people is that, right, all of those 55,000 people aren't going to buy, but they have dads and, yeah. and cousins and bosses and all of the, and it's, I have, you know, about 15% of my followers are women who have husbands That's and it. boyfriends and they come and they bring their man yeah. to get stuff from me. So everyone that's watching may not be able to buy, but they know someone who, that who can does. afford to buy. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Okay. That's awesome. Um, my final question for you, how much of your success you feel right now has been off of just hustle and grit work ethic and how much of it you think is luck oh that, that's that's a, oh, i think all of it is the hustle and in in all of that stuff it has not been luck because it's not i'm not selling a cheap thing <laughs> you know what I mean? yeah, yeah i'm not selling a cheap thing i'm not i'm not selling something where someone is like you know what it's 20 bucks i don't i can miss 20 bucks yeah yeah that's disposable yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So all of it is attributed to all of the things that I've done in my life to build up until this point, if that makes sense. Yeah. Right. Saying I'm going to go to live in Hong Kong for three. People are like, what are you doing? Like, you're going to leave your family, your friends. What about relationships? What about this? I would never do that. I would never you know, leave my uh, girlfriend or boyfriend to go and move to another country. I I would. would. Yeah, you (laughs) sacrificed that. Yeah, and that sacrifice taught you a lot into where you are now. Yeah. Got it. Um, And where do you see the wealth guy 10, 15, 20 years down the line? With the wealthy guy, where do you see that? Yes. So I want the wealthy guy to be a household name. Like, you know this as a lifestyle brand um 
and that's where I'm, I'm, I'm kind of going with it. Right. So next up for me is I have my own skincare line. Wow. Okay. So for the beard oil, the moisturizing. Correct. Right. People from the beginning have always commented on my skin, right? I've done videos on beard care, the bleach in the beard, the, you know, skincare on YouTube. Those are some of my highest watch videos. So Mm -hmm. I know the market is there for it. Um, so that's my next thing in terms of the lifestyle brand. And then- that is, that's awesome because that price point, everybody could get in on, right? The CPG right. brands, those are things everyone could get in on. Correct. Right. And then the next thing is, um, like I, like I said earlier in the podcast, I am a presenter. I am a teacher. I want to teach people how to do what I do. So think of it almost as, uh, the McDonald's of custom clothing. Got it. You know what I'm saying? Like in each city, there are either people who have been trained by me, right? Or people underneath kind of like a franchise that are authorized to do things under the wealthy guy name. Got it. Almost like my suit, like my suit's a franchise that you teach. Uh, that's that's awesome. Uh, I, I like that. I like that. I like that model because then you can duplicate yourself without even leaving. Um, Correct. Like Correct. That. Yeah. yeah. And then also in those stores are the CPG products, the men grooming, the hair, the oils, the beards, all that. That's awesome. I love that. Um, and I would definitely will support. I haven't worn a suit in about five years because after I stopped uh, working in marketing, I really just stopped um, work, wearing suits whatsoever. But I always tell people a suit is like, you know, why I tell people why James Bond always wears a suit because he can kill somebody and no one would ever see that he did it because a suit makes you look like the invisible guy. <laughs> I, I learned that very early on, 16 years old, putting on that suit to go to that that banking internship. People treated me differently. Yeah, yeah. They called me, oh. call me, you know? Yeah, it, it, I'd be on the train and people were like, man, you look good. You know, it's like just a different representation of you. Right. If I had jeans and a hoodie on, like, they'd be like, thug. Right, right, right. <laughs> right. So, so, you know, it's just been, it, it, it's been awesome. It's, you know, I was just on a podcast and it was on authenticity. What you see here is me. Yeah, all the time. You know what I'm saying? Like, and that's what people love about the wealthy guy, because I get on and that's, you know, like that I am am talking as if you were sitting right here in my living room with me and I'm talking to you about these products. Um, It's going to be that same energy. It's going to be that same passion. And I I think, you know, a a good point to kind of let the audience know, especially if they're not familiar with the wealthy guy, is that. I do everything from my living room. That's awesome. You know, so the people who come to visit me in person, there's no fancy storefront, right? And all of that stuff. You book your appointment and you come and you sit right here. Wow. Wow. And I didn't I didn't know that. I had no clue. Yeah. yeah. And people, they they want that. People come from when they're coming to New York from Canada, from other states, they call me up. You're one of the people who I have to come in in and see in, in in person. So it's more than the nice suit. Yeah. People are buying right. me. Yeah, they want you and you are the brand. You know, they buy into the wealthy guy because of that. That's awesome. Right. 
Um, and you know, it's, you're building a fashion from your your fashion brand straight from your living room, which is like completely dope. Um, and then that's way before COVID too. (laughs) All right. So if the audience wants to tap into you, maybe someone's listening. It's like, I got a dad, a husband or a cousin that wants a custom suit. Where can they find you? Where can they get all your information? Yeah. So, so, you know, best place to start social media. So across Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, Pinterest, Twitter, it's at the wealthy guy. So T-H-E-W-E-L-T-H-E-G-U-Y. Um, and the website is uh, Wealthy Lifestyle. So again, Wealthy is W-E-L-T-H-E. If people are like, why is he spell it like that? It is the phonetic. If you look in the dictionary, the phonetic of W-E-A-L-T-H-Y is... Yeah wealthy in the way that I'm spelling it. Got it. Um, Thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks for dropping so much gems and knowledge on the audience. I will link all those those things that you said in the description. So if people want to reach out, just click the link in the description. And thank you so much for being on the show again today. Yeah, man. Thank you for having me. And just like that, another illustrious episode is in the can, guys. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I hope you learned something from it. What I learned from this podcast was use social media properly. Find ways to stand out. Know your customers. One of the biggest things that I took from this episode, Robert knows his customer through and through. And he makes sure he's very specific and he's very intentional about marketing to them and getting them. And he makes no qualms about it. He knows his product is a much higher end product. It's more a luxury product. And it, it there's specific people that's going to buy that. And he has no problem going and focusing on that customer base. So that's one of the biggest lessons that I learned from this. Now, guys, remember, go check out our website, hforhustle.com. Check out our blog. Check out our podcast post. Um, check out everything that's going on with H for Hustle there. And also, guys, remember, I'm going to be signing off every week with the same thing. It's a great quote from nipsey hustle the quote goes the game is going to test you never fold stay 10 toes down it's not on you it's in you and what's in you they can't take away boom Boom.